Please turn with me in God's holy word to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. And this chapter of God's holy word will be our text for this evening as we look at this chapter under the title of Remembering God in Canaan. Remembering God in Canaan. Have you ever seen people mightily blessed with many things to be thankful for? Many things good in their life, but yet neglect to see how blessed they truly are. We have many blessings in our modern world, which most of human history would marvel at. The fact that we have things like refrigerators in our homes, cold food readily available at any time. Many things, conveniences that we have, hospitals, medicine, so many wonderful things that we have. But what happens when we don't see that? What happens when we fail to see the blessings that are before us? And we are seeing the results of this in our own nation. Our forefathers are in our nation, people who fought and died for the freedoms that we enjoy, who fought in the First and Second World Wars. All those things that were at great cost and much human lives were forgetting. There's a generation growing up that does not have a respect for the nation which it's a citizen of. And with that, there is an ingratitude that is seen, isn't there? There is a, a distaste for the West. Imagine, could you, if the world where Nazi Germany won the Second World War, what would the world be like if America and Britain had not won? You see, we cannot forget our past. We cannot forget our blessings. Because once we do, we won't be grateful for the wonderful things that we have around us, the deliverance that has been given to us. And so, because of these things, we can't forget our past. We erect memorials. We erect things to remind us and to teach us about the great sacrifice that men gave their lives across Europe. And we will go there and read off the names of the different families from the different areas. But what happens when we fail to teach it to the next generation? We must teach it to the next generation. Our values will change. And so will our country. It's inevitable. We must pass on our values and our beliefs to the next generation. But that's just about the nation. What about the church? What about the church of Jesus Christ? With the most important 
values of all, with the most important message of all. What if we forget our past and fail to pass it on to the next generation? Well, our values as a church will change, and often not for the better. We must not take for granted what we have. We must not be ungrateful for our past. The Reformation, for example, Martin Luther, John Calvin, then in Scotland, John Knox, Alexander Henderson, and on and on. All these wonderful men used by God. Used by God, lifted up by God to declare the truth. We should pass that on, shouldn't we? That heritage, that reformed heritage to the next generation. Or we will lose it. In our nation, there's great danger in forgetting these things. But there's an even greater danger. Because these things were not brought about by mere men. It's brought about by God. The Reformation, all these things. The God who delivered. That's the God we must not forget. We must not forget and make every effort to remember the glorious past of the church, but also the glorious future and the God who will bring it about. And this is what our text is about this evening, about remembering the past, the great power of God, the demonstrations that he used in history and time. We speak not about stories. We speak about true and living, lived out history of the people of God as they were brought from one side of the Jordan River to the other, as they were brought from the plains of Moab into the land of promise, as they were brought through a river that they could not face without the power of God, as they were brought home. Let us not forget our God as we look over this text and see how they were instructed to remember God. So our first point in our text, out of three points, is blessing remembered. Blessing remembered. At the beginning of our text, at the beginning of Joshua chapter 4, how do they seek to remember what has just happened? The parting of the Jordan River, being brought through this river that they would not have been able to get through, but for the power of God. Well, stones are gathered. Stones are gathered. Verses 2 and 3 of our text. Take you 12 men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones. And ye shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Why stones? Well, stones last. They outlast us. And so we will often, won't we, with monuments and other things to remember the past they will be etched in stone, something permanent to live and outlive us. 
the stones were taken also from a very specific place, not just stones from anywhere. Verse number three, it says, where the priest's feet stood firm. Isn't that interesting? They gathered the stones from where the priest's feet stood firm. The place of the presence of the power of God, where it was no longer river, it was dry land to walk over safely by the power of God. That specific place is where the stones were to be taken from, where God's blessed presence was demonstrated. God's power was seen, real, lived out experience. We're not here telling stories, are we? The Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation is filled with real history, lived out history for the people of God. We can forget that because it's thousands of years ago when these things happened. But this is the history of the people of God, of which we've been grafted into. Real, lived-out experience, showing God's power and mercy. Why? Because as soon as, as soon as we drift and something is done wonderfully by God, what are we likely to do? What is the, one of the first things that will happen after God has blessed us often? We are so prone forget, aren't we? What we will think of next is often what we lack or what someone else may have. But we must not fall into that tendency. We must be reminded of the blessing that God has given us. We can so easily forget. We must remember, and to remember the blessing of God, the privilege of God, we must actively seek to remind ourselves of these things. The great blessing and privilege of being brought through the rivers of Jordan here is really the grace of God. Think about it. By their own nature, if God's people sought to go through in their own power through the Jordan River, they would die. They would drown. It's too wide. And it's too deep. The power of God to deliver. By grace alone. It's not by our nature. Our nature would drown us in death. It's by faith alone that we've been brought in to a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's by faith alone that they were brought into that land. What happened to that generation that wandered for 40 years? They did not enter in because of unbelief. We notice from the end of Hebrews chapter 3. They were brought safely to their home by faith and by faith, a land of milk and honey. Now, in all this, in this land of milk and honey, what do we need to do? Not forget the God who brings these blessings. Verse number five, and Joshua said unto them, 
pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. Look at this, look at this picture here. Take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder. Normally, it's heavy stones, isn't it? You carry upon your shoulder. These stones require effort to carry from the midst of that Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. Effort is expand. You see, we must not think that it will come naturally to us to remember the wonderful blessing of God. We must expend energy in reminding ourselves about the blessing of God. It is a constant struggle. As much as it was a struggle for them to carry back those stones, actually far more so, to that place where God was and demonstrated his power. And we see also 12 stones, 12 tribes of Israel. In the New Testament, you'll see 12 apostles. And this number in the Bible, 12, you'll see it a number of times in the book of Revelation, is the number for completion, the full number of the people of God. All who are God's people have this blessing of being delivered from death into that wonderful inheritance given to us by God, the full number, believer in Jesus Christ. Do you know what you've been delivered from? Have you been delivered from sin, from death, and from all the misery that it brings? We must not forget what we were before Christ saved us. We're still sinners, but we live and are citizens of another country, of a heavenly country. And we must not forget that. We may struggle. We may be weary. But think of where we are a citizen of. Heavenly Canaan. A land of milk and honey. Now, when we travel toward our heavenly Canaan, we may be in the midst of sin and suffering and all these things that that journey brings with us. But remember the Lord's blessing in your experience, how he's delivered you from either sin in your own personal walk, slavery, and bondage to sin. You may not even remember when you first started to believe. But you still, if you began to believe, you still believe today. If you've repented of sin and trusted in Jesus Christ, you continue to repent today. Do not forget the misery of spiritual Egypt. Do not forget the misery of Moab. Because once we forget what we've been delivered from, we'll forget that we are the most blessed people upon the face of the earth. And so much more. We, we, we are surrounded by a generation, aren't we? we? We lament this, don't we? We see a generation that seems to have no respect for institutions in the state, 
seems to have no respect for the, a generation above them. But do we have a respect for the greatest blessing that we have been given? You see, we can neglect these things. We can take these things for granted, and we can become just the same. As a generation, I may lament, and we may wish to pull down those monuments erected to remember the sacrifices of the past. We've also got to realize, too, this people of God, were they better than anyone else? Were they better than the, the people in the plains of Moab? Were they better than those people that they faced off against and had victory over? Were they better than Pharaoh and his army that was drowned in the midst of the Red Sea? Not at all. Not at all. It was by grace alone. They experienced the blessing of the power of God to deliver them both through the Red Sea and also through the Jordan River. But their enemies got justice. Justice. Egypt, Pharaoh, and his army, they faced the power of God, a taste of the power of God and the destruction of their army. What we all deserve and far worse but friends, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've experienced the power of God. You've experienced the freedom. You've tasted heaven to come. You've been set free from bondage and slavery to the world, the flesh, and the devil. Let's turn to Psalm 40. Psalm 40, verses 2 and 3. Psalm 40. Verses 2 and 3. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. See, he set my feet upon a rock. And established my goings. Have you experienced this blessing? And it's an experience. It's a lived out experience. It can't just be in our minds. It can't just be something that we do on a Sunday. It must be something that changes us. The power of God will change you. It will change you. It will make you more like Christ. And we need to be reminded, don't we, of what it means to know the power of God, to not neglect so great a salvation. Hebrews 2, verses 1 to 4. Hebrews 2, verses 1 to 4. Paul writes to the Hebrews, verses 1 to 4, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, Thus at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed 
unto us by them that heard it. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. But how shall we, that verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How can we escape if we neglect so great a blessing? Let us not forget what we have in Jesus Christ. Our, our second point of three is this, teaching remembered. So blessing remembered, teaching remembered. If you have this blessing in Christ, it's not just something to store in our minds, is it? We are learning this great and wonderful truth in the scriptures not just to keep for ourselves, but also to share with others. Verses 6 and 7. And it was the same with this monument here. We see this verse in 6 and 7, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean ye by these stones? What mean ye by this monument that you have erected that was there to, memor to memorize something or to keep in memory? Verse 7 that ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan and the waters of Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. In scripture, we see the word fathers. And there's a principle, isn't there here, of the fathers teaching the next generation so that the truth and the blessing of God may pass from generation to generation. Now, we think of, yes, physical fathers. We think of you have a father and you, and, and you have a mother. But the scripture points out more than just our physical parents. You see here, the children ask their fathers. In the scripture, there's a broader covenantal idea we have here. You think of someone being baptized, a child being baptized. The entire congregation promises to support that, to pray for that covenant child. We are one working side by side under one Savior. Fathers, to teach your children and to set before the children, the covenant people from one generation to another. If we look at Psalm 78, Psalm number 78 in our Bibles, in the first eight verses, Verse 1 of Psalm 78, give ear, O people, to my law. And then it says in verse 3 of Psalm 78, which, he, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. And it says in verse 5, which he commanded, in the middle of verse 5, which he commanded our fathers. 
You see this over and over again. And verse 8, that might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit is not steadfast with God. And what is laid out here is either we will pass on that truth, that teaching, which we must not forget to the next generation. We must. Either we will teach it or we will conceal it. We will hide it from the next generation. Friends, could this be one of the reasons why in, our, in Scotland, in England, where I live in Northern Ireland, many different places why there's such a decline. We're not talking about a small number. We're losing an entire generation. And Providence sometimes can scream at us, something is wrong. And I know there are many godly parents and schools seeking to fight against that current. And we praise God for those people, but there is something drastically wrong. What one reason might be happening that so many people, so many young people are turning from the Lord? Where is our authority? I mean this. I say this from the bottom of my heart. Where do we tremble? You see, we have been bombarded with so many things that our, our parents and our great-grandparents never had to deal with, whether that's phones and all these things. We're bombarded with information. We don't know what to do with it. It scares us. But we ought to tremble before God and his threatenings. Not the latest attempt by our government to scare us. Friends, that's what they're doing. A scared population is very easy to control. We need to tremble before God. Our children and our children's children need to see that we tremble before God. Don't they? They need to see that if we see something in Scripture, we apply it to our lives. It changes how we live. And if we find out we have sin, we openly admit it to our own children. We humbly say we have fallen short. We have to be people. Yes, we're sinners. Yes, we fall short of the glory of God. But there has to be a difference in how we live. A holy people. Yes, we teach by our words and the teaching in Scripture and we other things, but we must also teach by our hands. The Puritans used to talk about how head, heart, and hands. Yes, we must have the head informed. Our hearts must love the truth, the teaching we've been taught, but we must also be about what that truth means. One of the wonderful things about young people is they can spot when we're inconsistent far more quickly than we can. We must be people. We must be doers. 
of the law of God. We must obey God and tremble before him. Because if we tremble before another master, and that's what the next generation sees, where is the power? Where is the power? Do we see in our generation the power of God to deliver, the power of God to change a person's heart from serving sin to serving righteousness, the power of God to change a community, power of God to change an entire family. To change a person whom you would have thought would be the least likely person to ever come to know the Lord. That's the power that was on display in the middle of the Jordan River. That's the power that's on display in the middle of the Red Sea to show them that there's nothing that restrains God. Nothing. Nothing at all that restrains God. He is powerful to deliver. Have we forgotten that power? Do we need reminders of that power? Because if we don't believe it's powerful to change, are we teaching the same truth? Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. Hosea chapter 4 and verse number 6. Hosea 4 and verse number 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, and thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten. Do you see that? Thou hast forgotten the law of God, thy God. I will also forget thy children. And it's such a recurring theme throughout the scriptures. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, part of what Moses is crying out to them to do, when you go into the land, when you experience its blessings, when you experience a land of milk and honey, forget not God. We've been given lots of blessings in our generation. We've been given things that are our grandparents or great-grandparents before us would scarcely have imagined. We have, we have presses filled. We have fridges filled. What has it done to us? What have we forgotten? What do we need to recover in teaching? Have we forgotten our history? One of the things, if you go back to the Second Reformation, the covenanters were willing to die for the purity of worship. They were willing to die for that. They marched under the banner for Christ's crown and covenant. And you see what these men were willing to endure so they could worship God 
according to the will of God. That is our forefathers who are so influential in the Westminster Confession of Faith. That was what they loved to do. They loved to worship God. They were willing to die for purity of worship. That if God had not commanded it, they could not do it. They were willing to face death and all the other things they had to suffer for it. Which brings us to our final and third point. Exalting remembered. Exalting remembered. So number one, blessing remembered, teaching remembered, and finally number three, exalting remembered. There is a war taking place. We see this in verses 11, 12, and 13. And it came to pass, and all the people were clean passed over, that the ark of the Lord passed over, and the priests in the presence of the people. And the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the children of Israel as Moses spake unto them. And 40,000 40, prepared for war passed over before the Lord unto battle to the plains of Jericho. Now at this point, Canaan has not been subdued. Canaan is still old pagan Canaan full of the Perizzites and Hittites and the Girgashites and other groups. It is still old Canaan, yet to be new Canaan. And the new Canaan suppressed by God, subdued sin, exalting God. This was to be a land where God was to be exalted. They were brought there to exalt the Lord as king. As king. Not just of that land, but of all the entire earth, but there specifically. And they went forward to war, to Jericho, to others. And who is their commander? Who is lifted up? Verse 14, on that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. They went with God's presence but they also led by their commander, Joshua. And who does that point towards? Who is greater to lead us into battle? One greater than Joshua, one greater than Moses, whom they all pointed towards, the Lord Jesus Christ, our commander, the author and finisher of our faith leading us into battle, leading us into victory. And what we've got to do, as we've been delivered, we've been delivered from sin. To do what? What have we been delivered to do? To continue to live as we once did? Not at all. We've been delivered for a purpose, to exalt God. And we must be reminded of that. And then the weapons that we use, they were using weapons in that day. What kind of weapons were they to use? The best weapons. And God's power was what was going to deliver them. 
It brought them this far. It brought them from Egypt. It brought them through the wilderness. It, the Lord fed them with manna from heaven. And then he brought them through this final point, the Jordan River. The Lord's power, whenever we put sin to death in our own hearts, when we, when we grow, this is God's power in our lives. Look at verse 23 and verse 24. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we were gone over. That all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. That all the people of the earth might know there's exalting going on. This is all to exalt the Lord. This is all to show that the Lord's power is victorious. But we need to fight, don't we, with weapons that exalt the Lord. How about preaching? Do we believe in preaching today? There's a diminished confidence in the preaching of the word. In prayer. In the reading of scripture. The reading of scripture is powerful. And friends, what happens when these things, when we don't have confidence in these things? Nature abhors a vacuum. What will happen when that there's, an, there's a gap? Men thinks, well, how will we fill the church once more? Aha, we need entertainment. We need innovations in worship. We need something other than what God has commanded. That's what always happens. Man's will. And once we do that, once we bring in our own ideas into worship, we really are exalting man. We are saying to God, we are smarter than you. We must never do so. God's means, God's methods are better than ours. They are perfect. They are powerful. They are strong. They are mighty. And it's all about exalting the Lord because when they were going into battle, they were not going into battle to establish their own kingdom. They were going into battle to establish that the Lord was king. They were facing mightier armies than their own. They were facing strongholds raised against the knowledge of the truth that they could not possibly face in their own strength. But through the Lord's power, they were brought down. It was all about exalting God. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more we are prone, aren't we, to forget. We must not forget. We must not forget our God who has delivered us. We must not forget our values. We must not forget our reformed heritage. No, the men of the past were not perfect. They were of the dust of the earth. But God used them to teach truth that we must pass on from one generation to the next. 
We must, when, they, when their natural curiosity arises, when they say, verse 21, when your, when your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, what mean these stones? When your, child, when your child's natural curiosity or someone of another generation younger than you, perhaps, asks you these questions, what mean ye by these stones? That we share the truth by what we say by what we do. Friends, I remember years ago, when I was working as a teacher in Dublin, my boss asked me, oh, why did you go, how come you didn't watch the game? I said it was a Sabbath day. They will ask the question, won't they? Why are you doing that? What we do in our lives matters. People will will take notice of the things that you do more than you realize. And so will the next generation. Are we people who follow what we say we're about? Not perfect people, but earnestly seeking to follow the Lord wherever he will lead us. Friends, has he delivered you? He delivered the people of God into Canaan. What was their great temptation? Forget him. Don't forget the Lord. Share him. Make your family centered around him. Your job, may it be to exalt him. Your education of the next generation be to exalt him. These are the things we so readily forget, all of us. Friends, are you willing to expend energy to go back into the midst of that Jordan River, to the midst of that experience that the Lord has shown you in delivering your soul and to remember God's power in rescuing you? In saving your children, if you have saved children, in saving your grandchildren, in saving those people that you have shared the gospel with, be reminded, do not forget, do not let the enemy, let these things slip from your mind, filling your minds with all the things of the world. Remember the Lord. Keep him at the frontlets of your eyes. Stamp eternity. On my eyeballs, what Jonathan Edwards said. Keep eternity in view. This world will one day be burnt up, but eternity will endure forever and ever. The Lord's mercy will endure forever and ever. The Lord's power will endure forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray before Almighty God. Glorious and heavenly Father, we ask that thou wouldst help us. We are so prone to wander in our minds and forget the blessings that we have been given. To forget the teachings that we have been taught from thy word and through faithful servants within thy church. 
we are so prone to wander and forget to exalt thee in our private devotions, in our families and in the church. Father, we pray that we would not drift from thee, that we would teach the truth to all who will ask that question, what mean ye by these stones? Please, Lord, stir us up. We can do nothing without thee. We need thy power. We need thy spirit. May we see afresh how blessed we are. Teach us afresh. Remind us of what things matter. Oh, Lord, we pray that thou wouldst magnify thy son who leads us into battle as our great commander who brings victory, who crushes the seed of the serpent, who places all his enemies under his feet. May we have confidence and may we look to him, thy son. Pardon, Lord, our many sins. May thy face shine upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.